In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abba, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, your Son, so that we could come home to you, so we could come home to your heart. We ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit once again to help us get in touch with your heart for us so that we can come home and be healed and be restored and know who you are and know who we are more deeply, more profoundly, and walk in that light, in that truth, in that goodness and beauty each and every day. Mother Mary, we crown you the queen of this time together here in the Word as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. So let's read another number here from the Catechism on Contemplation. As you see it there, it's number 2710. The choice of the time and duration of the prayer arises from a determined will, revealing the secrets of the heart. What does that mean? It means that when we struggle to make time for prayer, because as I like to say, you're not going to find time to pray today. Right? We've got to make time. We have to prioritize and defend our time with Jesus. If we really hope to grow, if we hope to heal and mature and become the woman that God created you to be, it takes prayer and perseverance in prayer. And when we don't do that, it reveals something of our heart. I mean, life happens sometimes, don't get me wrong. <coughs> but on a normal day, when someone didn't have to go to the hospital or wasn't coughing up a lung, when there wasn't some natural disaster, how easy is it at times to put off prayer? How many things, how many things creep in and take away your time with the Lord? And why do you allow that to happen? That, that can reveal certain things, certain fears, of God. And that's okay. It's just good to note this. 
when we struggle with going to prayer, that's a great thing to pray about. <laughs> when you struggle with making time for prayer, that's a great thing to pray about. And to ask God for the grace, because it's a grace, ask Him for the grace to thirst more for Him and to taste and to see and to feel and smell the goodness of the Lord when you go to prayer so that you'll be more motivated to pray. One does not undertake contemplative prayer only when one has the time. One makes time for the Lord with the firm determination not to give up no matter what trials and dryness one may encounter. Perseverance. God, help me to persevere in my prayer, even when it's hard. One cannot always meditate, again, using the reason, the intellect, but one can always enter into inner prayer independently of the conditions of health, work, or emotional state. The heart is the place of this quest and encounter in poverty and in faith. I'll give you one of the probably top three reasons why people don't want to go to prayer. Because they start to get in touch with their own neediness. And we don't like to feel needy. Right? At least when we're starting to feel that way. So after we've let down our guard, we've removed a mask or two, after we've allowed the Lord to get a little closer, we start to get in touch with our own poverty, our neediness, and that can make us feel very uncomfortable. Starting with me. <laughs> How about this lie for you? If you want to renounce this lie. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that I'm a burden. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that if I'm needy, I'm unattractive. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that when I'm needy, nobody will love me. that might resonate with one or two of you out there. Or one. <laughs> For sure. For sure, right? Especially our society. Especially the way feminism has gone. Maybe it's starting to make a comeback, but, you know. You were all told that you had to do and be all of these things and never let him see a sweat doing it, right? And that's just not human. So, let's continue with the song of songs.
So we got through chapter two. Last time on the Song of Songs, the Shulamite told Jesus, I'm not ready. Go without me. And she regretted her decision. Here we see it now in chapter three. She continues. Night after night, I'm tossing and turning on my bed of travail. Why did I let him go from me? How my heart now aches for him, but he is nowhere to be found. So I must rise in search of him, looking throughout the city, seeking until I find him. Even if I have to roam through every street, nothing will keep me from my search. Where is he, my soul's true love? He is nowhere to be found. Then I encountered the overseers as they encircled the city. So I asked them, have you found him, my heart's true love? Just as I moved past them, I encountered him. I found the one I adore. I caught him and fastened myself to him. Refusing to be feeble in my heart again. Feeble, fickle, frail, three F words. <laughs> feeble, fickle, and frail. We all experience that on our walk with the Lord. We all experience that at times. There's a psalm, I forget which one it is, but we, I think we hear it on Good Friday where Jesus, well, it's not Jesus, right? But it, it speaks to Jesus. It's a kind of prophetic psalm. Uh, it could be from Isaiah, actually, where anyway, I can look it up, but the prophet speaks of, yeah, I think the suffering servant in Isaiah who sets his face like flint. Who sets his face like flint. In other words, not feeble. <laughs> what does it mean to set your face like flint, like unshakable, immovable? I am not going to quit. And so, yes, that's where we have to make an act of the will. We have to exercise our freedom to express our desire to want this. No matter what. Now I'll bring him back to the temple within where I was given new birth into my innermost parts, the place of my conceiving. Your interior life, it needs to be guarded. It needs to be defended. Your interior life. You can't be scrolling on social media every day and expect to grow in your prayer life. Impossible. Not gonna happen. I'm not saying don't do it at all. 
doing it every day. Limit. Limit the use of the media. Limit the 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 use of you know watching the news. I'm so ignorant these days. I'll have these conversations with my mom and she'll tell me, Did you hear about this earthquake? Or did you know that today is the primary election in your state? I'm like, no, I didn't know that, sorry. <laughs> I mean I was in Mexico for a while, but <laughs> she'll tell me about these things going on. Or the the somebody was shot at the Super Bowl celebration. I didn't even know that until she told me. I I just don't watch the news anymore. I just don't. Because so many people get so worked up about what's happening. I prefer to make my own news with Jesus. <laughs> I prefer to make my own news with Jesus. There's so much that we get so consumed by. And you can get, as I like to say, you can get caught up in the current of current events and swept away by it. And it does you no good. Absolutely no good. So that's a kind of dominion that you have to have over these things the world is going to compete for your attention. The devil is going to try to stir things up in your interior so that you lose peace. So don't open the door. He's going to be knocking. He's going to be, hey, hey, guess what? Did you hear? Don't open the door. <laughs> Just don't open the door. Don't even give up an opportunity to get you worked up. That's one of the things that you can do to help. I'm sure you've already noticed how much easier it is to pray today because you've been quiet for just a few hours. For just a few hours. And how much easier it is to hear God and to experience his presence. Now you can't do that in retreat every day, obviously. But if you commit to carving out certain times of silence each and every day, and you guard those violently, <laughs> be violent when it comes to guarding your prayer time. And that's not being selfish. It's not being selfish. Renounce that lie. Renounce that lie. Now I'll bring him back to the temple within where I was given new birth into my innermost parts, the place of my conceiving. He's speaking to your identity. And when we look here and when we look there to define ourselves, we get lost. 
reminds us of who he is and who we are. And he loves on us. And he builds us up and he heals us. He makes us new. He transfigures us. The shepherd king promised me, O Jerusalem maidens, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer, that you'll not disturb my love until she is ready to arise. Who is this one ascending from the wilderness, the voice of the Lord, in the pillar of the glory cloud? He's fragrant with the anointing oils of myrrh and frankincense more fragrant than all the spices of the merchant. Look, it is the king's marriage carriage. I love that. Go for a ride tonight in the king's marriage carriage. <laughs> Let your imagination run wild and go for a ride, kind of like a magic carpet ride, Steppenwolf, but the king's marriage carriage. The love seat surrounded by 60 champions, the mightiest of Israel's host, are like pillars of protection. Angels. Angels. They stand ready with swords to defend the king and his fiancée from every terror of the night. Let's mention your guardian angel right now. You have a guardian angel, and your guardian angel wants to help you pray. He wants to help you defend your prayer time. Ask your guardian angel for help. If you don't ever pray to your guardian angel, start now. <laughs> start now. Want to hear a little story? It's after dinner, it's hard to listen, I know, for very long. So this is, a, this is a fun story. So the summer that I joined the seminary, when we go out there, it's called the Candidacy Program. So you're with a bunch of other knuckleheads who really don't know what they're doing. And uh, it's a lot of fun. They take it easy on us when we first get out there. We're called the candidates. And so we had a candidate who was from Mexico. And, uh, well, back up. We had a candidate who was from Canada. And he had a family friend come to visit us. And this family friend was a hermit. I think the, Brother Anthony, I think is what they called him. Brother Anthony had been a Jewish medical doctor who converted to Catholicism and became a hermit. And he had this huge head of hair and this big old beard. And he looked like a hermit. <laughs> Look up hermit in the dictionary, Brother Anthony. So we're talking around the breakfast table, and we got this brother from Mexico. Somehow we get talking on, on, on angels. And then this brother from Mexico pipes up. He's like, ah, I don't know if I really believe in guardian angels. I mean, come on. And Brother Anthony, who obviously had a, a rather prophetic gift, turns his head and looks at this guy and says, your guardian angel has saved your life seven times. And he was like, you're right. <laughs> so then we start talking more about guardian angels. And somebody said something about getting to know your guardian angel better. And you can go to bed praying for the, the gift to know your guardian angel better. The formula was, 
I don't want to reduce it to a formula, but they just said, pray the prayer to your guardian angel three times with the intention of getting to know your guardian angel better. And when you wake up in the morning, you'll receive your angel's name. And so I'm like, eh, all right, I'll give it a try. So before I go to bed, I pray the prayer to the guardian angel a few times. I wake up. First thing that pops into my head when I woke up was Stephen. <laughs> Who said that? Stephen. And there was not a, a young man in the candidacy program named Stephen. I don't have a best friend named Stephen, so it was really pretty random. So ever since then, it's been Stephen. So Stephen and I are pretty close. And then I prayed with a woman once in Detroit who has, who's a seer. She sees things in the spirit. And she said, Father, she's like, you've got a ministry angel who's a pretty big dude. And I'm getting the sense that his name is Ignacio, which is Spanish for Ignatius. So I've got Stephen and Ignatius. And I prayed for a Judah as well. I think I've got a Judah, like a lion of the tribe of Judah. I like lions. I like that name for Jesus. So anyway, it's good to be friends with the angels. Let's keep going here. Check out verse 9. The king made this mercy seat for himself out of the finest wood that would not decay. Sounds like the cross to me. Pillars of smoke like silver mist. A canopy of golden glory dwells above it. The place where they sit together is sprinkled with crimson. His precious blood, maybe? Love and mercy cover this carriage, blanketing his tabernacle throne. The king himself has made it. For those who will become his bride, rise up, Zion, maidens, brides to be. Come and feast your eyes on this king. Contemplate him. That's what it means to come and feast your eyes on him. It's to contemplate him, like we said earlier. Come and feast your eyes on this king as he passes in procession on his way to his wedding. This is the day filled with overwhelming joy, the day of his great gladness. So there's a lot that could be said here if you've studied theology of the body or read the, uh, the book, is it about the bridegroom, Christ the bridegroom? All of the symbolism of Song of Songs with, with the crucifixion. Jesus being the divine bridegroom, laying down his life for his bride, the church. He's the new Adam, there's Mary, the new Eve at the foot of the cross. And he consummates his marriage with his bride on the cross. pouring out his blood and water from his pure side.
So the cross was his wedding bed. And if you see churches that have, you know, the canopy or the baldacchino in, in Italian, so then the altar even, you know, represents the bed underneath the canopy. And of course, what is offered on the altar is the sacrifice of Calvary, represented. So there's a lot there. There's a lot there to, to meditate on, to contemplate. Let's just go back and highlight a couple things here. Back in verse 1, even, how my heart now aches for him. It's a good question to ask yourself. Where does my heart ache? It's a good thing to pray with desires and aches. <laughs> desires and aches. To get in touch with your desires and with your aches. And oftentimes what causes an ache is an unfulfilled desire. Amen? But to bring all of that to the Lord. <clears throat> to bring all of that to Him. He already knows. <laughs> he already knows. So don't be afraid to tell Him. Don't be afraid to tell Him. Because sometimes, you know, We'll think something or we'll feel something. Oh, I shouldn't think that. Or, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. Well, you do. So, talk to Jesus about that. <laughs> I shouldn't be angry. Well, you are. So, talk to him about that. <laughs> Why are you angry? Or I'm sad and I'm, I'm just really depressed. And oh, a good Christian should never be sad or depressed. Lie, but anyway. So you're sad and depressed. So was he in the Garden of Gethsemane. Really, his heart was aching all the time because he was so sensitive to all of the suffering around him. So, of course, he, his heart was aching. So I guess I would say don't... <laughs> Yeah, don't pretend or don't put it to the side. Because I think that's another thing that prevents us from praying. I don't feel like praying right now because I'm, I'm pretty darn upset with my husband or with my kid. Perfect time to pray. Perfect time to pray. If you wait until you feel right to pray, you're probably not going to pray very often. But try to make it something you look forward to. <laughs> I tell people that. Try to make it something you look forward to. You know, if it's at home, have your little space, your favorite chair, images, 
bring your favorite, you know, beverage with you there. Probably not an alcoholic beverage, <laughs> at least in the morning. Right? Asterisk, non-alcoholic beverage in the morning. Okay, got it. At night, you know, whatever. But make it so that you look forward to it, at least on some level. So that when you know you've got to pray about some hard things, you still feel on some level like going there and, and addressing that with the Lord. And know that he will be kind and gentle. It's a great grace to ask for. Lord, help me to be kind and gentle to myself. And the only way you can really do that is after you've experienced his kindness and gentleness. So notice that he didn't shame her for not coming away with him right away. But he was still happy to take her into the king's marriage carriage. And then it describes, the, as I said, he describes the cross here in verses 8 and 9 and 10. Even 11, as he passes in procession on his way to his wedding. It's like the way of the cross. So here we are on a Friday in Lent. I want to pray the stations of the cross on your own. If that helps you. One thing that really impressed me when I first went to the Holy Land was this number from the Catechism. I don't know that I'll find it. Let me see. I don't know I have it there. I'll look it up later, but the, the gist of it is this, that in each and every moment of his life, Christ knew me and loved me. It's, it's in the section on the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that when Jesus was carrying the cross through the streets of Jerusalem, he was thinking of you. Not just at that moment either. When he was born, when he was multiplying the loaves and fish, when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, when he was instituting the Eucharist especially, he was thinking of you. He knew you and he loved you. And he did what he was doing out of love for you. How many of you have been in the Holy Land? Fair number? If you ever want to go, let me know. We've got friends there, as you may know. We've got a legionary community in Jerusalem and in Galilee. Of course, now it's kind of hard to go, but we pray for, for peace and healing there so that we can start going again. 
then we'll have a place uh, in Magdala on the Sea of Galilee, and then in Jerusalem. So walking, I've been there four times, and walking through the streets of Jerusalem, and, and just think of the first fall. They have they had it marked on the streets of Jerusalem where these things took place traditionally. So there it is, the third station, Jesus falls for the first time. And, and what motivated him to get up? Your face, step. He saw your face and he knew your name. He said, you know what? Out of love for Deb, I'm getting up. And he could do that with billions of faces like that. Because he's God. He was still God. Right? So he could see every one of your faces and all of your names in an instant. But he saw it all. He knew you and he loved you in that moment. And that for me is the awesome thing about the Eucharist too. I like to say that we believe that he's at the right hand of the Father outside of time. But we also believe that he's really, truly present, body, blood, heart, and soul, and divinity, and the Eucharist here in time, all at the same time. So he's out of time and in time, all at the same time. Only God can do that. <laughs> so it's really a mysterious presence. We'll never exhaust the meaning of the Eucharist this side of heaven. Because essentially what he did is he prolonged his presence, his suffering presence, all throughout time by means of the Eucharist. And when he instituted the Eucharist, again, he saw your face and he knew your name and he said, I'm going to be with my bride in 2024. I'm going to stay. I'm going to accompany my bride even in 2024. Even if it costs me dearly. Even if I have to suffer for thousands of years. I'll do it. So he didn't just suffer on the cross for three hours. He's been suffering for 2,000 years. He's been suffering for 2,000 years. Don't tell me he doesn't suffer in the Eucharist. Right? Of course he does. Because he feels your pain. And if his bride is still suffering, he's still suffering. It's a mystery. Because he's outside of time. <laughs> at the right hand of the Father. But he's here with us at the same time. But what it goes to show is that he's not going anywhere. And so nothing is going to turn him away. Nothing's going to scare him away.
Holy Spirit, help us to pray. Holy Spirit, come. Increase our faith, our hope, our love. Holy Spirit, help us to taste and see the goodness of the Lord with our hearts and with our spirits. Help us to get to know you better and more intimately so that we can experience the bliss of loving you and being with you more and more. Amen.